the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Oh, sure, it's uh, Seth's show. He's just not here today. Recovering United States Congressman J.D. Hayworth back behind the mic on this Friday at six minutes past four. And uh, you know, it's great to be live and local. And love to hear from you, 602-508-0960. Now, this next segment, thanks Thanks again to Kelly Cooper, candidate for the U.S. Congress, Republican nominee in District 4. Really enjoyed what he had to say and appreciated him coming on. But this hour, uh, we're going to turn to the other body there on what was called way back in the day, Jenkins Hill. That's, That's what the name of it was before. It picked up the name Capitol Hill. Jenkins Hill was the place where the United States Capitol was built. And, of course, you remember your history. Roger Sherman of Connecticut came up with the notion, okay, look, the big states want a legislative body based on population. The smaller states want a legislative body where everybody has the same number of representatives, hey, let's split the difference, have a bicameral legislature, the House, which really, as we were talking earlier about uh, our constitutional republic, if there is one office, absolutely small d democratic, directly accountable to the people, it is serving in the Congress of the United States. Here's what happens. If someone ever leaves the Congress, if there is a vacancy through resignation or death, there is a special election. No one serves in the United States Congress by appointment. The Senate, well... It's a little different over in the Senate. And you know, whoever said that presidential politics is two-thirds theater and that the White House is a grand stage really should have taken a closer look at the other end of Pennsylvania Avenue. There, on Capitol Hill, sits an institution called the world's greatest deliberative body by some and the world's most exclusive club by others. You you know it best by its proper name, the United States Senate. Among the 100 who serve are more than a handful who readily embrace the spectacle, pomp, and prestige that comes with the title of Senator. The late Robert C. Byrd of West Virginia often spoke of the Senate as if he had confused both time and place. Now, 
don't misunderstand, that was not due to diminished cognitive skills, though his Senate service spanned more than a half century and concluded with his passing in 2010. Instead, it was due to Byrd's inflated sense of status about both the institution and his reputation there. Senator Byrd would employ his photographic memory and excessive sense of self-worth to recount episodes of political antiquity from the Roman Senate, creating word pictures recalling a group clad in togas, philosophizing, and filibustering. That bird's-eye view was cinematic in scope, a combination of Ben-Hur, Gladiator, and, surprisingly or not, Animal House. A cinematic Senate? Hmm, well, let's think about that for just a second. Actually, if you change the spelling a little bit, it might work. Really, a cinematic Senate S-I-N-E-M-A, as in Kirsten Cinema, Arizona's senior senator now, she came into the chamber with her own sense of Hollywood fashion and attitude, wearing thigh-high boots like Jane Fonda's Barbarella, employing a persona akin to Sigourney Weaver in Alien, and most recently enacting a controversial high-finance provision that would warm the cold, calculating heart of Michael Douglas as Gordon Gecko in Wall Street. See, it was real simple. Kirsten named a price for supporting Joe Biden's inaccurately named Inflation Reduction Act. Insisting on lower taxes, oh, oh, not Not for you and me, not for everyday Americans, but for the rich and famous. Quote, cinema took Wall Street money while killing tax on investors. Read the headline from the August 13th article written by Brian Slidisco of the uh, Associated Press. And because of that AP article, and because of that insistence, by Kirsten Cinema to go there for Wall Street. Well, prospective opponents for Senator Cinema read it as a real opportunity, including those from Cinema's own party. While the Washington press corps is excessively accommodating to Democrats, most political reporters are somewhat befuddled by Arizona's senior senator and the mega dollars stuffed into her political war chest by hedge fund managers and their ultra-wealthy associates. Of course, the perceptions of a partisan press aren't as important to cinema's political viability as are the reaction of the folks back home. And it is readily apparent that what Washington might collectively regard as Kirsten's LBJ moment is not a good look for her at all here in Arizona. You see, it's real simple. 
what's good for Wall Street is not necessarily good for Main Street or for your street. And it is absolutely objectionable on most streets within the city limits of Flagstaff, Tempe, and Tucson. But it isn't just the indoctrinated as opposed to educated from our state-supported universities who take umbrage. Concern is also found among those from the school of hard knocks who have invested their own sweat equity in bootstrap businesses and mom-and-pop enterprises, only to see this cinema-sponsored provision eliminate a proposed carried interest tax increase on well-heeled and passive private equity investors. So, it's real simple. The high finance crowd will enjoy a $35 billion exemption that sure won't exempt other corporations or several small businesses either. The recent AP article invites Arizonans of every political stripe to connect the dots. Quoting now again from the article, Cinema has long aligned herself with the interests of private equity, hedge funds, and venture capital, helping her net at least $1.5 million in campaign contributions since she was elected to the House a decade ago. But... The $983,000 she has collected since last summer more than doubled what the industry donated to her during all of the preceding years she spent in Congress combined. Wow, for an article written by somebody from the AP uh, aimed at a... Senior Democrat, that, that's pretty heavy duty. So that's one thing. You've got the verbal record there. But what is Kirsten's calculation in all of this? Well, it's real simple. She is comfortable collecting all that cash because she considers it a wise investment that'll help her stay in the Senate. Besides, the Democrat leadership there will not desert her in the event of an interparty challenge back home. Here's the bottom line. Talk is cheap. Mounting a successful challenge to an incumbent senator is not. Oh, sure, right now there's a lot of chatter about Representative Ruben Gallego maybe running against her in a Democrat primary. But when push comes to shove, will Congressman Gallego really give up a safe seat in the House for a high-risk Senate run? Nope. Now, don't mistake me on this. Senator Sinema will face a strong Republican challenge in 2024. But right now, she's living large, trying to employ the title of yet another Hollywood production. The sure thing. You and I have, sure enough, more to talk about. Stay tuned. Oh, yeah. 21 minutes past four. J.D. for Seth, AM 960, The Patriot. It's Friday. Why, tell you, we'll open the phones to anything you want to talk about. All right? 602-508-0960. Now, you and I began this hour talking about Arizona's senior senator. Of course, she's got a couple of years to get ready. Here's the thing. 
And uh, again, you have to look back at history. Now, when when you take a look at the um, at how our constitutional republic changed, and this is all on the up and up, it was done through the amendment process. You go back to early in the 20th century, two amendments were ratified that profoundly changed America. Number one, the 16th Amendment, which allowed to the direct allowed for the direct taxation of personal income. And boy, aren't we feeling that right now? Uh, 87,000 IRS agents that the Biden bunch wants to hire. And the initial ad said, hey, you, you, if you're comfortable using deadly force, we've got a place for you. Oh, uh-huh. So the 16th Amendment, the 17th Amendment, you may not realize, because since you and I have been on the planet, senators have been elected every six years. But it used to be, and this is important to remember, Arizona, the youngest of the 48 contiguous states, becoming a state Valentine's Day 1912. And I'm trying, I guess the the 17th Amendment was ratified uh, a few years later. Uh, Anyway, uh, Arizona and now every state uh, elects senators. And so that allows senators with a with a a six year term. Basically, a lot of senators go to Washington and get caught up in Washington. And then about 18 months to two years before their next election, then they start paying attention to the people at home. And we've seen that with people who may no longer be here to make their case, and we won't go into all that. Um, <laughs> although it's tempting to look back at uh, 2010, but that was then. This is now, and the good Lord has us where we're intended to be. Of course, one Senate seat is up this year, and it has to do with not the peculiarities, the stipulation of Arizona law. Remember when when John McCain passed away in office, there were a couple of appointees. First, as I recall, John Kyle came back to the Senate for a brief time. And then, of course, Congresswoman Martha McSally was elevated to the seat. I want to make sure I have that correct in terms of the order in which they did. Anyway, so yeah, that's right, because Martha lost a race to Kirsten and then was the Republican nominee two years ago against Mark Kelly. Here comes Mark Kelly, uh, an astronaut, a guy who, uh, who married Gabby Giffords when he was still in the space program, and Gabby Giffords was representing... Tucson in the Congress of the United States, and horrifically, uh, there was an event on a Saturday morning called Congress on Your Corner, and, and ironies abound in this, because 
and, and no good guys, no bad guys. I just have to explain this to you. When you're a conservative member of Congress, when you're a Republican, the left has perfected uh, a mentality of protest and coming into a town hall meeting and disrupting it. And remember, that was right around the time of Obamacare. When all that was coming up, Democrats had just taken the majority, as I recall. So Nancy Pelosi, in her newfound role as Speaker, said, okay, here's what we're going to do to avoid the Republicans doing to us what we do to them at town hall meetings, coming in and disrupting things. Here's what I want you to do. Congress on your corner. You stand there with an aide, and that aide gives your constituent uh, anywhere from a minute 30 to three minutes, and there you're talking directly to the constituent. Now, maybe this would have happened anyway in a, in a, in a quote, regular town hall meeting. But a nut came down and started shooting people. And one of those who was shot was Congresswoman Giffords. Horrible what happened. And I remember getting a call, I will just, just the way Washington works. I was called, I, I'd been over at, uh, well, you know my doctor, Dr. Zudi Jasser. He's behind this mic on occasion. And so I was finishing up a Saturday exam. My phone rings. It's a radio producer for a national show saying, get ready, you're going to get a call from Fox. Well, why? Well, there's been a shooting in Tucson. Okay, so you know the U of A Medical Center is top for trauma and all that. And so I get a call from the Fox News channel in my car, on my cell phone, and we're trying to talk about the early moments of this. But what stuck with me about that, was the fact, and of course, I came here as a sports anchor, sportscaster at Channel 10. And when I came to town, Dallas Green had just come to work for the Cubs, and they had signed uh, some players and were going to make a run. And uh, Dallas Green, of course, uh, had left the Cubs. He was still um, in professional baseball. His granddaughter lived in Tucson. She had been born September 11th, 2001. And some of her neighbors knew that she had an interest in government. So they said, honey, would you like to come with us to see Congresswoman Giffords? And Dallas Green's granddaughter was one of those who was shot and killed by the nut. Now, again, back to the story. I get a call from a prominent columnist and he starts to intimate hey this guy you know he had guns and and the way washington thinks if anybody has guns well they got to be conservatives they got to be republicans i told the guy watch it you don't want to go there and sure enough we found out the nut was a registered Democrat. What is my point not to beat up on Democrats but to say mental illness is not a respecter of party. Don't try to take a tragedy and turn it into a political thing. So anyway, that that set the stage. Uh, eventually, once Gabby retired from Congress for her spouse, Mark Kelly, to run for the Senate. And reality being what it is, the gun control bunch has given gazillions of dollars to Mark Kelly. 
And I understand why. But when we come back, the question is this. Can the Republican nominee, Blake Masters, make up the margin we are seeing in this early polling? I say he can, and I'll tell you why, and also what is going to keep Kelly a tough opponent. It's J.D. for Seth. We're back with more. Yes, turn up the radio, because you're hearing a familiar voice, albeit a voice uh, that's not behind this mic as often as I would like, but hey, Seth has the gig, uh, and he's away today, and so recovering United States Congressman J.D. Hayworth here with you at uh, about 25 and a half minutes in front of five in the five o'clock hour, we return uh, to the Biden <laughs> debacle last night in front of Independence Hall, and we get some local reaction uh, from the Republican nominee for governor of Arizona. That would be a fellow Channel Ten alum, Carrie Lake. Very interesting. How Kerry is uh, has put together this campaign for governor, and you'll hear exactly what I mean uh, next hour. Right now, we continue to talk about the United States Senate. Uh, some of the polling, and I've been getting calls from around the country. JD, what's the deal? Because it looks like Blake Masters is way down to Mark Kelly. Well, a couple of things to keep in mind. And obviously, we we went over the personal tragedy that that opened different doors uh, that that may have prompted the decision for Mark Kelly to run for the Senate after his his wife Gabby Giffords was uh, wounded in a life changing way and eventually left the House of Representatives. But also, and let's just be honest about it, this is not in any way disparaging. It just points out similarities. Essentially, Mark Kelly is trying to be the Democrat John McCain. Hey, look at me. I've got a record of service. I was a Navy pilot, and then I was an astronaut. And uh, keep me in the Senate, because look at what I've done elsewhere. Okay. But here's the problem. And and the deal was, as I understand it, okay, and <laughs> let's let's use the, the common disclaimer. Rumors are the lifeblood of the broadcast industry, okay? I mean shop talk, all right? I'm not talking about reports that you pass along, but let's just be honest, the same thing is even more of a reality in the political realm. And so, as I understand it, and we might get a vociferous disagreement from Mark Kelly, but as I understand it, like most guys in the military, Kelly was a conservative Republican at one point. And when you talk to guys at the Tucson Gun Club, one of the ardent uh, members of the club showing up for target practice and uh, doing a lot of stuff was 
Mark Kelly. Okay, that was then, this is now. And here's the big thing about Kelly. You wouldn't know he ever had any conservative inclinations. He has gotten into the United States Senate, and he has been a rubber stamp for Joe Biden. I mean, what, 94, 96% of the time? Voting for the Biden agenda? Now, here's the other thing at work. Oh, Mitch McConnell, you know, Mitch Anderson, oh, Mitch, he's a, he's a Senate Republican leader, and I've known Mitch, oh, a long time. And Mitch, you know, he wrote this book a couple of years ago called The Long View. You got, got to take the long view on things. And the fact is, Mitch has taken such a long view on things, nine times out of ten, his great strategies blow up in his face on the Senate floor. That's just being honest about it. Now, was he able to get the judges, uh, the justices on the Supreme Court? Yes, he was. That was the one thing, but it didn't help matters. And old Mitch over in the Senate... And my former colleague, and, and I'm sad that I have to attach this <clears throat> poetic prefix to his name, Lion Paul Ryan. Lion Paul Ryan is one of the biggest open border pimps in all of Washington, D.C. And curiously, Paul Ryan is now on the board of directors of Fox Broadcasting. <gasps> Huh. But I digress. So you got that all going on. The fact is, old Mitch McConnell has been forced to take a second look. And even, I tell you, I'll get into all the money situation, but when we come back, we will hear an independent ad running, going after Mark Kelly for reasons that are all fair. Coming up on 20 minutes before 5, it's J.D. for Seth. Oh, man, I hear this, and if I'm not mistaken, it's uh, Leon Redbone, right? Redbone, come and get your love. Uh, Well, come and get your news and information and a thoughtful handshake, because this love thing, well... I don't want to lead anybody astray, you know, I, I just, and I don't want Miss Mary mad out at the Hayworth Hacienda. Recovering Congressman J.D. Hayworth in for Seth Liebson on this Friday. Number to call 602-508-0960. Next hour, back to the Biden hoo-ha. And uh, hoo-ha doesn't begin to describe the dark, divisive delivery of a bizarre screed last night in front of Independence Hall in Philadelphia. Now, before the break, and I'll try to avoid rabbit trails, but I just got stories about guys like old Mitch and Lion Paul Ryan. Let me get away from that. Here's the deal with Mitch. Mitch is home a couple of weeks ago talking to the Kentucky Chamber of Commerce. And he starts saying, well, the quality of some of our candidates is going to be tough for us to take a Senate because of the quality of our candidates. And boy, Donald Trump starts in raising H-E-double hockey stick saying, 
Ditch Mitch, Ditch Mitch. And so Mitch is going, hmm, maybe I better, you know, put in a little effort. So now, allegedly, and I'll believe it when I see it, but Mitch is doing some fundraisers for Republican candidates. The Arizona Republican nominee for the Senate, Blake Masters, said, now, well, look, I don't happen to believe that, that Mitch has been a particularly good leader. He'd like to see somebody else. The question becomes, will Mitch weigh in for Blake? Well, what's what's been going on? Uh, the NRSC, the Senate campaign committee for the Republicans, had a pretty effective ad running this summer. The news is they've yanked some of the dough away, but there are other groups spending on behalf of Blake Masters. One such group is called One Nation. Here is the TV spot they have running against uh, Senator Mark Kelly. This is cut five. Inflation's rampant, and Senator Mark Kelly says the reckless spending he voted for isn't the cause. But President Obama's economic advisors do blame inflation on the Kelly-Biden spending spree, calling it the least responsible economic policy in 40 years. Even the liberal media admit they worsened inflation. But Kelly and Biden won't slow down the spending. They want trillions more, making the inflation mess even worse. Tell Senator Kelly to stop the reckless spending to stop inflation. There's a a pretty good ad right there. I mean, if pocketbook issues are the deal, that sounds good to me. Now, here's here's the pocketbook you have to take a look at. And uh, that pocketbook is the one uh, known as the Mark Kelly Campaign Treasury. That guy salted away from the, uh, the anti-gunners what, close to 21, anywhere between 21 and $23 million? And he's probably got a ton more. Now, it's not that Blake Masters is a pauper. It's just that, well, what I went through against John McCain, that Republican primary in 2010, that was after the panic of Aught 8, and by by, uh, 2010 standards, for a challenger to raise a million bucks from small contributors in what we had six weeks when we after we announced before the first reporting period that was pretty good, but people had fallen on tough times. The other thing is, old Mitch and all the incumbent Republicans they, they were behind John because the, the way the party looked at it, how would it look for JD to beat the presidential nominee of our party two years later? So all the big guns, i tell you a story. We're trying to raise a fundraiser, to, to hire a fundraiser. Kay Bailey Hutchinson was leaving the Senate. She ran against Rick Perry, governor of Texas, in a Republican throwdown there. She finished second. I call her campaign office. The manager of my campaign gets this young lady on the phone. And when you talk to her, it's like just honey. I mean... Like, you know what the bees make. And uh, you can tell this this young lady had a great demeanor in terms of raisin dough. And I said, uh, so uh, she had one of those great Texas names like uh, Laura Jean or something. So Laura Jean, do you have any problem asking people for money? And she says, no, Congressman, do you? Boom, perfect answer. So I say, get her out here. We're making the deal to... 
my my campaign manager gets a call not five minutes later. All the big money guys, they get wind of this and they call, if you want to work in this business again, you're not going to go to work for J.D. Okay, look, it happens. I'm just telling you that story because it's part of the financial thing. Now, what makes it really tough is when, and for some reason, Mesa, uh, pardon the pun, you get flaky Republicans. Jeff Flake, I mean, how this just prompts it. There is Jeff Flake, my old House colleague, and our one-time senator who uh, was, you got a really, it's a special kind of obnoxious and ineptitude to have your numbers drop to 18%. As I said that day, way back when on Fox News, Jeff was toxic. And so he had to take a hike out of the Senate. And, of course, he and some other folks who are Republicans, they go for Biden. So now there is old Jeff Flake. Joe Biden's ambassador to Turkey. So you got a flake who's a real turkey. But there are other guys in the East Valley, the open borders Republicans, uh, the guys who try to emulate Willard Mitt Romney or Jeffrey Flake. Take a look at the mayor of Mesa, John Giles. Now, John... He still when, when you see the newspaper pictures, he's using one of his younger pictures when it looks like he's auditioning for game show host. We're all growing up. John's a little grayer now, but he's still chasing down that green, that money, appropriations for the city of Mesa. So he's cut a spot doing what? Endorsing Mark Kelly. Take a, take a listen to Cut Six. I'm the mayor of Mesa and a Republican. The last few years have been tough on our local businesses and our community needed help. That's when I heard from Mark Kelly. We may be from different political parties, but that doesn't matter for Mark. For him, we're all on Team Arizona. That's who Mark is. He secured critical funding to help save our small businesses. Mark doesn't look for ways to blame Democrats or Republicans. He looks for a way forward. I'm Mark Kelly, and I approve this Yeah, yeah, great. Okay, so... (laughs) John Giles doing the Jeff Flake thing, the flaky-wakey thing, where it's, you know, as as I said, because, as we know, Jeff Flake was one of the biggest open-border pimps in creation. And it's like it's like the old Fred Travelina game show of the late 80s. Anything for money. In the case of Mayor Giles, it's, hey, man, I need some money for the city coffers. And, of course, it allows Mark Kelly to look like a, quote, practical problem solver. But here's the deal. There's a long way between now and November. Blake Masters has time to master raising more dough. And when Mark Kelly keeps voting with it for this goofy Biden agenda, I still think Blake has a really good chance to win. Next hour... Uh, The name's the same. And how about our Republican nominee for governor? It's J.D. (laughs) Five minutes in front of five o'clock on this Friday, September 2nd, 
2022, recovering Congressman J.D. Hayworth in for Seth Liebson. This is AM 960, The Patriot, KKNT. Number to call, 602-508-0960. Next hour, we're going to get back to, to the Biden debacle of last night. But we're, we're not going to do it in a depressing way. Because I think, well, it's a Friday afternoon. And uh, the the speech is the kind of self-inflicted harm. There ain't no way that all the stenographers for the left, and let let me tell you, I've seen them. Because I, I was in broadcast news before going to Congress. Not unlike uh, the nominee of the Republican Party for governor, we'll hear from her next hour, uh, Carrie Lake. But but what I noticed when I got to Washington was was the fact that uh, <laughs> you you know you think the media really tries to play it straight. Let me tell you, these people in the press in Washington, D.C. are overwhelmingly Democrat and overwhelmingly leftist. Back when I was serving on the Ways and Means Committee, be very interesting, at that time, the ranking Democrat was uh, Charlie Rangel of New York. Remember Charlie? Charlie represented Harlem, you know, there by Columbia University. And uh, and Charlie would come in amidst great fanfare. And, and so anyway, he had a young guy working for him, uh, a guy whose parents may still live out here, uh, a carrot top guy, redheaded guy, Dan Maffei, uh, M-A-F-F-E-I, I believe. Anyway, uh, Dan, before running for Congress, I believe in the Syracuse area, and he held the seat for a couple of terms. Dan was running the press shop for Charlie and the Democrats. And there was a table for the press, kind of the press gallery there in the big ornate Ways and Means Committee Room, which is the largest committee room on Capitol Hill. So large, in fact, that back when the House of Representatives was being remodeled in the 1950s, the House met in session in the Ways and Means Committee room. Just a little nugget that you might find interesting. Anyway, uh, Dan Moffi would go out there with Charlie's press release or whatever, and the reporters, and uh, I kid you not, the reporters would look at Dan Moffi as if he were delivering uh, the tablets that Moses brought down from Mount Sinai. They just, they're, they're leftists. And so now, in in the uh, in the Trump era, they don't even pretend anymore. They now call themselves advocacy journalists. And you have the NBC Nightly News anchor Lester Holt quoted when he uh, last year when he received award saying, "Let me give you a direct quote: Fairness is overrated." Huh? I'm going to be very fair to you. We're going to have a whole nother hour together, so stay tuned.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.